Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Sky Roma, a mental health nurse and member of the Nurses and Midwives Union. The nurses striked for the first time in a decade. And in this episode, we unpack why this is happening, the state of the New South Wales health system, and what needs to change. You're listening to Coogee Voice. New South Wales needs mandated nurse-to-patient ratios on every ward, on every shift across the state. That's country and metro hospitals. I think that's quite obvious with anything that I've seen in the media or stories that I've heard from colleagues across the state is that we need mandated ratios. We need a safe level of nursing staff and midwives on a ward to provide our world-class health system that we're being told that we're being provided. We've got one of the lowest incomes across Australia now. Our pay has been frozen. We've now dealt with a COVID pandemic and other states are seeing nurses being provided an allowance for that. We need to survive as well and we need to survive so that we can protect the rest of the community and make sure that the health is okay. Sky, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sky, I just want to say before we get into the interview, thank you so much for taking the time to come out and be interviewed about an issue that's very close to my heart. So I know this is your day off and it means a huge amount to me and as well to our audience that you've been, you've made the time for us so that we can talk about healthcare and ratios and nurses because there is a lot going on at the moment. There is. Sky, let's just get straight into it. Nurses striked for the first time in a decade, 10 yep. years, right? That's a long time without yep. any industrial, major industrial action. This is a huge, huge deal. Nurses don't just take such significant industrial action like this if it isn't for a really important reason. Can you explain to us why this industrial action has happened and why it's going to continue to happen? Yeah, look, nurses and midwives in our public health system have been coping with uh, understaffing, rampant understaffing, um, an increase in our patients and our consumers. And the people that are coming into hospital are much sicker. Um, There's a lot of systemic issues that are happening within our workplaces. We definitely don't have the safe number of nurses to look after a patient, which is what we would refer to as a ratio. And, you know, COVID has just amplified this. Uh, We had issues pre-COVID, but COVID has just pushed us over the edge. Nurses and midwives uh, are burning out. They're tired. They're trying to keep our community safe and, and our government just isn't supporting us. Can you run us through what does an average work day, work week look like for you? Yeah, so look, I'm a mental health nurse. Um, at the moment, I'm unfortunately under the workers' comp system due to an injury in the workplace. Um, but pre-COVID, I was easy working 50 hours a week, and that included overtime, double shifts, extra hours. We were really understaffed before COVID. We still are now. And then on top of that, we've had to deal with staff getting COVID on the ward or consumers or patients getting getting COVID on the ward. And that's really affected an already scarce staff. So it, it's just, I can't put it into words, just how horrible 
it's been and we've continued to try and negotiate with the government. We've uh, engaged in meetings with them and uh, nothing's happened. So it, it was time. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. The first thing is how has COVID impacted the work? You've touched on a little bit, but I think it's really important for us to sort of have a bit of an understanding because there's some narratives out there saying, well, you know, these staff shortages, they're new. It's just because we're in a pandemic. What are your yeah, thoughts on that? No. Uh, look, we were rampantly understaffed well before COVID. Uh, we were really struggling to hire people retention was an issue. And I really think, and a lot of union members believe that it comes back down to ratios and safe care that we're legally have to provide under our registration to keep our registration um, and to do the best job for our community, to keep our community safe. And that was already being put at risk prior to COVID. Now, COVID's now come into the mix and we're attempting to, to deal with a global pandemic with already hardly any staff. There are staff that are off on long service leave. There are staff that have left. There are staff that have moved into different areas to assist with COVID. I, I can't, it's really difficult to, to kind of give the community an idea of just how tough it is when you hardly have any staff on a ward, but people are coming into hospital and they're expecting world-class care. But how do we provide that if we don't have enough nurses? People are missing out on care. You know, there's been stories of mothers not being able to get into wards or people staying in, in corridors or sleeping on the floor or instead of being on a ward, you're out in the car park or they're being turned away from hospital. It's just the reason that we go into nursing is because we want to care and we want to put back into our community. But when we're being run out of resources, how, how are we expected to provide that care? You've touched on this a little bit around staff shortages and the impact on patients. Sounds pretty clear. This isn't just about the industrial rights and wages and safe working conditions for workers, nurses and midwives. This is also about care delivery, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, number one for most nurses is the fact that when we pay for our registration yearly. We promise to the community that we will provide the best possible care that we can um, that is evidence-based so that people can go home and go back into the community and go back to their life. It's very, very difficult to provide that care with hardly any nurses on the floor. Or now we've been seeing staff that are untrained in those areas being moved into care models to assist with the staff shortages, which again, yes, there's another head on the floor, but then they're not qualified to be providing the care that those patients deserve. Over the past few years with the industrial action, we're hearing some pretty horrific stories coming out. Weight lines, people in ambulances just sitting there for hours on end because they can't get into emergency rooms. Park benches outside hospitals are being used as places for being able to deliver care. You've spoken about the fact that people can't even get into wards. Without trying to be too alarmist to our community and raise too much fear, what have been some of the most horrific instances that you've seen? um, Without breaching people's confidentiality, um, there have been cases with 
very elderly in their 80s waiting 24, 48 hours in an emergency department sitting in a chair while they're extremely sick. There have been wards and emergency departments that have had to be shut down because of COVID. When you've got COVID wiping out an entire ward, it essentially doesn't exist anymore. Um, And COVID's had a knock-on effect across our whole public health system. You know, we do see stories in the news about AMBOs backlogged outside of a hospital, but then that also affects the emergency department. And what happens in the emergency department, which is very much the heart of the hospital, it has a knock-on effect throughout the whole hospital. So if you've got heaps of people in ED, well, they need to get them out of ED and into a ward. But if that ward is already full, then they're staying in ED and there's a backlog. And those backlogs are really affecting people's health. And you know, our current state government have, have said things like, don't go to hospital unless you really need to. And in some respect, I think that's a bit of a desperate call for the community because uh, an emergency department in a hospital is supposed to be a safe place that you can go to if you're in an emergency. But with mixed messages being out there, what are people expected to think? Tell us a bit about ratios. You've touched on them. As a bit of an explainer for our listeners, what are they and why are they important? Yeah, so look, ratios, pretty simply, are the allocated patients that are given to a nurse on any shift. So say, for instance, I go to work on a ward and I'm allocated four patients, then those four patients are my responsibility throughout my shift. Currently, a lot of the health system is under what's called the NHPPD or nursing hours per patient day system to allocate nurses. Now, we've seen over the years, I know that that was the best possible outcome at the time when that came in, but our health system has changed, our population and the people that are coming into hospital have changed, and that system does not support an adequate number of nurses to provide good care to our patients or the best possible care. Now, you're kind of getting the bare minimum that we can provide and we're requesting that there is a mandated ratio put in place for New South Wales nurses just like Queensland and the ACT uh, and now Victoria have in place because there is evidence uh, research here and overseas that quite clearly shows, number one, that it reduces costs for the healthcare system, um, but also that it minimises deaths and improves patient safety and, and their care. Is this an issue that just nurses and midwives need to care about? Or why should our broader community care about ratios, safe staffing levels and the state of our healthcare system in New South Wales today? I think it's a pretty easy one. Whenever I think of our public health system, I think of my family and my community. And if I was to have a family member go into hospital that was extremely unwell or needed emergency care, I would expect that they were being provided the best possible care, that there are enough nurses there to provide that care, that there are enough specialised nurses to provide that care. And if anything went wrong because there weren't enough nurses or there wasn't safe staffing, or the hospital wasn't being resourced properly and something went wrong. I I think I can speak for most people. Um, I I would uh, turn red and uh, ensure that every single person knew about it. Nurses are leaving New South Wales Health at an alarming rate. 
some of them are just burnt out, leaving yep. nursing altogether. A lot are leaving to go to Queensland and Victoria and ACT. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> pretty pretty simple. Um, look, we're seeing a lot of nurses leave because COVID has made the majority of us really reflect on the profession that we're in and whether we're in a workplace that is sustainable, uh, that we can continue to go to, that we can deal with in regards to our mental health. Nurses have completely taken the brunt of this pandemic. It's nice for politicians to get in the media and, and say we're heroes and say thank you, but they've continually said that throughout. We've attempted to discuss things with them and... Um, yeah, we've we've just been uh, we've been told to be quiet is is a nice way of putting it, uh, including through the Industrial Relations Commission. We've been gagged not to speak about it. You know, we just can't anymore. All of these nurses, I guess, that are living on the border, why wouldn't you travel an extra half an hour to an hour to work if you know that you're going to have a safer workplace, that you've got mandated ratios there? Oh, also, and that you're going to get paid better because that's the other thing that I guess has come out of COVID is that. Our state government froze our pay, but that wasn't before they gave themselves a very good pay increase, including off- offering the uh, then police commissioner eighty plus thousand dollars a year bonus. Um, you know, this is—it's just a huge kick in the guts, as, as if you wouldn't, if you were living on those borders, move to a place. You've got two options: you can work in this state and uh, have an unsafe work. In- workplace that's not sustainable that you're being burnt out in or you can cross the border and uh, have a nicer workplace. There's also another differential isn't there? So Queensland, Victoria, ACT have got ratios. Haven't many states also introduced a COVID loading? Correct yes we have seen that throughout the pandemic that a lot of states have uh, given nurses a COVID allowance and our state government hasn't including messing with our workers comp they're obviously just from a, a money set of eyes, but the sad reality of that is that healthcare shouldn't be about money, it should be about people, and it's not profits over people, it's people before profits. I think that if we invest in our public health system, it's going to meet a better state, a healthier state, and a sustainable state, not one that's letting it rip and uh, dealing with consequences later because our health system does run on evidence-based practice and, you know, none of none of what we've seen so far has, has been evidence-based practice. Sky, I couldn't agree with you more. Perite, the current Premier, came in saying it's economy or health. And I think what the outbreak and the let it rip demonstrated is you cannot have an economy without our health. Correct. So the fact that it's not one or the other, the reality is our economy does not work at all if we do not have the health of our people and a healthcare system that supports people going, getting better, going back to work. Yep, 100%. I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, I just get really frustrated listening to things like that because, you know, there, there's no economy without people. You are 100% correct. So if we don't look after the people, you know, what are we even talking about? Now, the New South Wales government and the Minister for Health say that they are spending billions of dollars on our healthcare system. What do you say about that? Oh, look, my only response to anything that the state government has currently been saying is uh, there's lots of talk, 
and uh, there's lots of talk about talk, but there's no action. And that's why nurses and midwives have stood up to take action because in simple terms, we're sick of being gaslighted in, in the public eye. For me as well, when I look at where money is being spent, a huge amount of money is being spent on buildings and infrastructure without actually spending money on what I see is the most important part of a healthcare system, which is the people that work inside it. So for me, it's really about priorities as well. Yeah, 100%. You can build all the fancy high-rise hospitals, fancy hospitals, try and privatise them, but if you don't have the nursing staff to staff them, they're just a building. That's all they are, a fancy building. Yeah, and we've got examples now across New South Wales, in Sydney, also in regional communities, where we have these big flashy buildings which can barely operate because there's no one inside to actually do the healthcare delivery. And Northern Beaches is a clear example of that. Yeah, most definitely. The Minister has also told nurses really, uh, not verbatim, but to stop whinging. How do you feel about that? Yeah, look, uh, my first response to that was that obviously uh, Mr Hazard doesn't understand what a union is. Um, His comment was particularly in regards to the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, which I'm a part of. Uh, What he doesn't understand is that all of the nurses and midwives, and that was over 5,000 just in Sydney alone, um, that attended that march, they are the union. A union is a collective of employees that are collectively trying to address systemic issues within their organisation and they do that with their employer. Now, technically, New South Wales Health would be our employer. So we were doing part of our, I guess, registration standards to to fight for equity and justice for our consumers um, and to address systemic issues that are really quite obvious to most nurses and midwives on the ground And um, it's just more kind of gaslighting, really, behaviour. It's kind of blaming blaming everybody else for an issue that really the buck stops with them. We've touched on a lot of stuff today. Some of it is long-term systemic issues, which are not going to be fixed overnight. Others we can maybe fix in the short term. For you, what would you like to see as the top three priority Look, number one, uh, New South Wales needs mandated nurse-to-patient ratios on every ward, on every shift across the state. That's country and metro hospitals. I think that's quite obvious with anything that I've seen in the media or stories that I've heard from colleagues across the state is that we need mandated ratios. We need a safe level of nursing staff and midwives on a ward to provide our world-class health system that we're being told that we're being provided uh, number two is nurses need wage wage justice. We've we've got one of the lowest incomes across Australia now. Uh, our pay has been frozen. We've now dealt with a COVID pandemic, and other states are seeing nurses being provided an allowance for that for the increase in work and stress. Uh, we would like that, and we would also like a good pay increase that represents the work that we actually do, as well as we would really like the state government to uh, take their hands off the workers' comp. It shouldn't be, the onus shouldn't be on a a nurse or midwife to prove that they've got COVID in the workplace, Um, especially when we've had such huge issues with 
getting appropriate PPE and getting safe resources that we need to actually do our job, but, but then to be told, oh, well, now you need to prove that you've got COVID in the workplace, it's just a kick in the guts again. The New South Wales government were taken kicking and screaming to having a regional health inquiry. No wonder why. The results and the stories that have come out are shocking. What are your thoughts on the state of regional health in New South Wales? Yeah, look, metropolitan health is already struggling, but when you look out at regional hospitals and uh, nurses and midwives, they're I mean, it, it's a, it's another level. We've got nurses, you know, one registered nurse, one EN that's looking after a whole hospital that's like 30 plus patients, you know, a doctor that's maybe on call in. There are people, cleaners that are assisting with healthcare. I just, it makes me angry and, and so, so upset to think that we're supposed to be you know, in a developing country, um, a, de- a well-developed country, I should say. And uh, we've got people that are really going into hospitals that, that you would expect in a third world country. How, how would you think that, that a hospital would be appropriately staffed w- with two staff for a whole hospital? How, how do you look after those? And then if you've got an emergency that comes in, maybe there's a police officer on duty, maybe there's not. Maybe there's an ambulance station nearby, maybe there's not. If you've got to get airlifted, how many hours do you need to wait? What kind of facilities do you have in those regional hospitals that metro hospitals have? Because there's a huge comparison in resources across across the state and also the level of care. And we've seen that in um, come out in the Royal Commission is, it's just horrible. Why, why are cleaners and members of the public having to to become nurses, they're not qualified, so they're not covered, but they're taking on the care of patients because there's not enough staff there. How do you think we attract more healthcare staff to work in regional communities? Uh, Number one is uh, we need ratios across the state, and I think that comes into regional as well as metropolitan. You need to provide a a safe, a well-resourced and a supported healthcare system, and that's across the board. So for regional and for metropolitan is that we need this mandated nurse to patient ratios. We need proper, you know, remuneration for the work that we do. Uh, We need governments to start investing in our healthcare instead of cutting it. And, you know, they talk constantly about how they're putting all of this money into it, but really the money's going towards the buildings and not towards the people that actually run the system. So we just need really we just need a huge shift in view this is this is about our community and our people this isn't about money sky there's a lot of different little acronyms that get thrown around when it comes to ratios one is about mums and bubs counting not counting can you explain this yeah so look in new south wales currently when a nurse on any hospital ward is allocated their number of patients it is however many patients, that the nurse looks after. However, unfortunately for our midwives in New South Wales, ratios or their current system that they run under uh, for mums and bubs does not include babies. So midwives are technically looking after two people, not one, uh, but they're being provided the bare minimum of, of midwives to look after two people, not one. So that puts a huge stress 
on nurses and on, on midwives in that sector. Some of the stories I've heard are just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, specifically, you know, stories from NICUs where, you know, they're neonatal intensive care units. And these mums are going in and, you know, maybe they have a breach or they've got, they're very unwell or their baby's very unwell. Now that requires a lot more specialised care. But when a midwife has double the number of patients that they're looking after, it's near impossible to provide that that care that they feel happy to go home and say, I've done my best job. Their, their registrations are being put at risk. Lives are being put at risk all because babies aren't being counted. And I just, I can't, I can't get out. Like I just, I'm in disbelief. How would you not count a baby as another human? I'm pretty sure once they come out, they're a human. But if you're in a public hospital, they ain't counted. There's been 70 hours of debate about right to life and when life starts. Um, So I do find it quite amazing that a living, breathing baby yep. is actually not counted as a human. Yep, including if they're uh, on a ventilator. None of that. They just don't exist because it's all about money. There's been a lot of talk around nurses leaving, but also around declining rates of enrolment in nursing as well. How do we attract more people to the nursing profession? I think it's pretty simple, is that we need to better resource our public health system uh, and we need to provide a workplace that people want to go to. Just like any employer or any place that you apply to go and work at, you're obviously wanting to know that that place is safe to work at, that you can go there day in, day out. And I mean, we, we operate 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. We're all on rotating rosters. We're shift workers. If your workplace isn't safe, why are you going to go there? So we need better resourcing of our healthcare system. We need mandated ratios so that staff know that they've got enough nurses around to deal with an emergency to do their work properly. And you need to pay them properly. If you continue to push us down the pay scale, you're just going to see more and more people leave because we actually have to look after our mental health as well. We need to be strong enough to go to work every day. And if we're burning out and, you know, we've got this increased amount of stress, we've already got a stressful environment to work in. You know, nurses, a lot of people say a a very special type of person, but, you know, we are just another member of the community trying to do our bit. You need to look after us as well. Wages also become very important as Sydney is becoming one of the least affordable cities, not just in Australia, in the entire world. And I think for our listeners who are listening into this, if we want to live in Sydney and we want to have a first-class healthcare system, we need to make sure that our healthcare system is sustainable with workers. And if people are unable to afford to live in our own city, this is not going to be a profession that people are going to gravitate towards. I think that really kind of is one of the layers of of staff leaving and and moving out of the state is that, yeah, New South Wales, I mean, can we ever imagine, you know, to buy a house in New South Wales? It's one of the most expensive states to live in. 
but our pay bracket keeps being pushed down lower and lower. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, is that because we're a predominantly female industry? Um, you know, it's a question that a lot of us ask. Inflation continues to go up. You just have to go down to Woolies or Coles to see that the price of things have risen. And, um, you know, a sad reality is that nurses at work joke about, you know, oh, how much money is still left in your bank the day before payday? You know, it's just, we need to survive as well. And we need to survive so that we can protect the rest of the community and, and make sure that their health, their health is okay. But when our health and our basic needs are being put at risk, oh, there's just so many levels of, of things that you need to to, you know, consider whether you stay in the state or whether you stay in nursing. We could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. But Sky, before I let you go, there are three very tough questions we ask everyone that comes onto Could You Voice. Yep. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best coffee, and where you can get the best burger. <laughs> This one's going to be a bit hard for me. Um, look, I do like Coogee Beach, but I have to say I really enjoy going down to Maroubra Beach. Uh, best coffee? Oh, I'll have to give a plug to 22 Grams uh, because a couple of years ago I won a $50 voucher there for buying coffee, <laughs> so I can't go past that. Um, and look, I... Uh, don't eat meat, so I'm going to say the best burger joint is uh, Soul Burger in uh, in Randwick. Best vegan burgers yep. around yep. town. <laughs> Sky, if people would like to learn more about ratios and the Nurses to Midwives Union and the work that you're doing to campaign, not only for better working conditions for yourself, but for a better healthcare system for all of us, where should they head to? You can head to www.nswnma.asn.au and you can have a look at Tell Us Your Story, which is nurses, midwives and members of the community that can all put in their own experience of our public health system at the moment. Great. Thank you, Sky. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What an eye-opening discussion. Now, if you'd like to learn more about ratios, you can check out the Nurses and Midwives Association on Facebook. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. Mm-hmm.